welcome to Potadelphia. My name is Dave Diorio. You can find me on Twitter at fat underscore lobster. And I'm joined by two guys who are such weasels that isn't even funny. What's up, Chuck and Gene? Hey, Dave. Hey, Gene. This is Chuck Siders. And I really, really, really resent being in any way associated with Mike Sielski. Uh, he and I have had our problems. They're documented. Uh, if you want to see them, go to at Chuck Siders on Twitter. If you're smart and can search like both of us, just do it. We had a um, we had a epic uh, Valentine's Day uh, argument that delayed uh, a date with my then wife. It's nice not the reason that we're not married anymore. Yeah. <laughs> uh Hey, this is Gene Zelak. Uh, you just saw me on the uh, live uh, Flyers um, stream, uh, if you were watching along. Um, and, uh, yeah, I always thought of myself more as an eel, less of a weasel, uh, mm. as far as evil sidekick from Disney movies, uh, animals. But uh, maybe that's just me. Uh, and you can find my other thoughts on uh, sort of animal relations and... Um, and whatnot uh, at, at producer Gene. That's my Twitter handle, and you can find the show at Potadelphia. In case nobody else has said that already, are you I didn't? <laughs> I didn't. You picked it up, Gene. You saved the show. Yes, Gene. Gene which eel are you uh, from the Disney universe? What is it? Fl- floatsome and uh... I believe it's flotsam and jetsam. I've never heard flotsam it called floatsam. There, there it is. All right, nice. You're more like a jetsam. I f- I feel like I'm a jetsam. I was very quick as a George jetsam the eel. Okay, so. Uh, let's. Why don't we start with that press conference, the uh, the weasel press guy? I mean, that's a good enough place to start. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's start with some happy news. What 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 precipitated the the weasel comment? What why? All right. Well, if you want to know, um, we get into it on a previous episode of Potadelphia in the penalty box. Um, it was the November show, right after Halloween. Um, because the article came out uh, late on Halloween, which is apparently an excuse. Mike Sielski thinks that's a good excuse for being an asshole. Um, I I don't, but hey, that's just me. And it was criticizing the Flyers' play early in the season and really putting it on Giroux and Voracek. And A.V. kind of called them out, and we sort of applauded A.V. at the time for doing so. Well, we just... You know, we've constantly applauded AV's openness. You know, to go from Dave Haxtall to Elaine Vino, um, it's night and day. And um, AV was saying, hey, our best players need to step up. You know, our veteran leaders need to step up. And there were a few really caustic, journalistically irresponsible things to say. And that is a pet peeve of mine. If you see me yelling at people on Twitter, it's because I feel like they have a um, a platform, a pulpit, and are using it improperly. And Sealski's the most irresponsible thing about that article, and there were several, had to do with Jake Voracek and JVR laughing. In the locker room, AV was speaking and uh, calling people to be better, whatever, and JVR and and Jacob, uh, Jacob, like I'm his first grade teacher. <laughs> and Borchek, I believe it's Jacob. Um, it's Jacob. <laughs> Jacob, um, were were in the background laughing, and he, and Sealski goes, "What were they laughing about? I don't know. Were they laughing at their coach? Could be. Who am I to say?" No, and that was the like, good version of it. Nothing gets old guard Philadelphia fans or writers like it gets their hackles up more than laughing, smiling, or <laughs> enjoying yourself when like the team isn't doing well or you've made a mistake. Yeah. I look, I think back to like the Donovan smiling after an interception, like ah, you know, like oh that my god, yes, bananas. And then this is this feels kind of like the same thing. No, we should all treat everything exactly with the same facial expression as as Buddy Ryan had for everything. Which is, was basically, I'm going to punch you. And especially if you're an assistant coach for the Houston Oilers. Yeah. Or if you follow sports talk radio in this town, you should just be mad all the time about everything. Yeah. And and just to go over a few more Sealski highlights. Mm-hmm. Um, in that same article, he said that Giroux wasn't a good captain because he wasn't an inspiring leader. I, I don't know where you get that from. Um, oftentimes, I thought... 
earlier in his career, he was too gung-ho. He was, I remember a game in the last days of Peter Laviolette where it was early in the game, Giroux missed, um, not even open net, but like, like he missed a shot. Maybe it was close to an open net. And he's on the bench, like trying to break his stick. And I'm like, dude, it's game three. Calm the fuck down. And Giroux would do that. That would be a problem of his. So I don't get where you can get off calling him uh, a bad leader. Um, Sealski was also the guy that said the Flyers need to change of culture when they hired uh, Bruby. Said like, oh, they keep hiring people from the Flyers. And that's a different conversation for a different day. Most recently, he wrote about Philadelphia likes Wawa too much. They're substandard hoagies and we should be more proud of local joints. Somehow those two are mutually exclusive. And lastly, the um, it was in the playoffs against the Islanders. Um, no, sorry, it was against uh, the Canadians saying like, oh, well, Hart had a great series and he's just like his idol, Carey Price. But you should be you know, wary because Carey Price struggled. Oh, I remember, like, okay. yeah, I remember that. It was such a nonsense article. It was people are excited about uh, about Carter Hart, but it's like, oh, be careful. One day he might be bad, which I mean, fine, legitimate. But why the hell are you writing an article about it? So long story short, after my list of personal grievances, uh, we suspect that uh, Jake's stems back to that Halloween article where he says uh, he was laughing behind AV's back. Nice, nice. All right. Well, all right. So let's get into the season so far. Three games in. Let's not talk about tonight just yet. Let's talk about the first two games against the uh, the Penguins. Um, you know, good results, right? I mean, you got what you yeah. wanted. Two, two yeah. wins against, a, you know, your hated rivals, which is great. Um, but there are some problems in the mix there too, right? Yeah, certainly. There there were. Um and I'm more, I don't want to say dismissive of the problems than most, but I'm not worried about them just yet. Tonight's results move them up the list a little, but I, I'm not there just yet. In the first two games, the five-on-five five play was not stellar. We didn't dominate five-on-five five play. Can, 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 we, can we position the conversation this way, like in fine – Philadelphia tradition can we say can we just like let's talk about like top five problems with the Flyers right now after three games <laughs> all right number one um the one. let's talk about the top five problems top five problems all right you, well, are there five I don't know if there's five well I mean there's six defensemen <laughs> you want to just list a defenseman um maybe I'm gonna say the the biggest problems are offense, defense, and goaltending. Not goaltending. Not <laughs> goaltending. Hart's been um good to very good at times, um, which is fine at, at this point in the season. Yeah, he looked great in game two. Yeah, he looked great in game two. And game one, he looked good. Tonight he was left out to dry. It's it's that dominating uh puck. Uh, possession really I think that that was an issue now we have a comment because um, we are alive and taking comments uh, Flyers through Turpentine on TPL tonight damn them um, well that is the best way to kill a tune uh, we did <laughs> yeah. learn that from Roger Rabbit spoilers um, for those that, that didn't know uh, how that would turn out yeah the Flyers really did dampen our spirits tonight we were sort of going expect to be rah 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 or all fired up but i think we still can i think we still can issues that the flyers have had has been the play of the defense which hasn't had any very any preseason games no preseason preseason gate preseason games a couple scrimmages and hardly any training camp if you look around it looks like the 80s out there, man. Defense is not being very well played in the NHL right now. So a concerning thing that crept in a little more tonight is the lack of you know positional play. The real, I'm going to hold my lane. I'm going to hold my guy and be confident that the other defenseman, 
or that the forwards or the center are going to hold theirs. Tonight's game against Buffalo, which Dave said we weren't going to start with, but I guess we're starting with, um, there was so much chasing the puck. There were so many times where the defense just collapsed. And to me, that shows you don't trust your 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 co uh, your coworkers, uh, your teammates. You don't trust your teammates that you want to, you know, play a bit of hero ball to to go Carson Wentz. So, you know, that's that's the way it works there. You know, is it shinny defense? Actually, maybe maybe that's a really good analogy. I, I like the term shinny defense. Um, outside of that, there was a lot to be excited about. So, do you guys have any? Anything that struck you as particularly bad or off about the Flyers? I don't know, to me, it just looked really haphazard today. It, it looked—I mean, shitty defense is—it looked lazy to me. It, it, it looked like there wasn't a sense of urgency or crispness to the game at all today. And you know, I don't know if that's a hey, we're two and zero, we're playing an O two team on our home ice. This is going to be, you know, um, it's the front end of a back-to-back. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't know if there was a a mental issue, and that's kind of what, you know, I messaged you earlier in the night. Like, I think AV needs to, like, already start getting into this, you know, after that first period because the first period is a mess. Um, And we know Flyers' second periods aren't really all that much to write home about so far this season, you know, either. So I wanted to see a little more sense of urgency, you know, after they came out of the locker room for the second period, and I just – I, you know, I didn't see. Obviously, I didn't see it. Yeah, Gene, your thoughts before I go back to more of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I I think sort of trying to not over uh, put too much weight on game three versus the other two, but I, I think what sort of crept in was maybe problems that were already brewing all along, and I think it really does go back to uh, there's a communication issue, I believe, um, and it might be sort of throughout the whole team. Um, and, and I think that you can put put some of it on the fact that even though these are a lot of new players that were not necessarily free agents that were brought in, but you've got guys coming in that are that hadn't played together as much, you know, even with Oscar Lindblom, uh, for example, you know, he was out for a long time. You've, you've got um, Patrick back. Um, so you're working in some 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 new players, even though they were on the team before. So that's going to be some adjustment as far as communication. But with, as far as the defense is concerned, I think originally the plan was probably to have Provorov and Ghost as the top pair. And and Ghost's pair has not played yet, I don't think, because he's in some sort of COVID um, yeah. uh, protocol. So uh, you end up sort of already into the depth a little bit, and that's going to be sort of chronic throughout the whole season. Um, you're going to see people sort of having to go in and out because of these protocols. Um, and it, it's just, it's, it's not atypical of the flyers to sort of come out and have a game like this. One of the things I was talking about earlier was, uh, you know, it sort of felt like one of those West coast go out to Edmonton and get beat for nothing, uh, and be exhausted sort of from the travel sort of game. Now, obviously you didn't go through the travel part, but I do feel like that's something that hockey teams sort of adjust to early in the season is that as you sort of ramp up to game speed, you're going to have, a night like this, and I don't even think it's a physical exhaustion as much as it's uh, a, a mental exhaustion. And I, I certainly also think that having played two games that were very hard fought against your rival to open the season, and then you're going to play an 0-2 Buffalo game, yeah, whether you want to or not, that is the recipe for you're going to be sort of mentally checked out, and and they are going to come in a lot hotter. There's something about these flyers get like if you if your nose is attuned to the flyers, you can smell these losses coming somehow. And I I don't like I think those first two Penguins games were like axe body spray a little bit. <laughs> and you could tell if you were paying close, you could smell the BO a little <laughs> bit. Was it was gonna come through? Was eventually that axe body spray was gonna wear off, and and this loss was good. But I, I mean, it's easy to say, like with hindsight, but there was something a little fishy about this game. You know, the only thing that gave me hope that this wouldn't be a, a letdown game or a trap game was as the third game of the season. Mm-hmm. You know, it, and I'm disappointed with how they came out tonight because it was the third game of the season. And because it was the first full game without uh, Couturier, 
even though he was barely there in the second game of the Penguins um, series. I love series. I love this new format, by the way. But we'll get to that later, I'm sure. But um, it was your first full game without Couturier, first full game of Fro- with Frost. You looked good for the most part, occasionally passed too much. Um, but I would have liked to see more effort. The The thing that causes me more pronounced concern is not the defense. The defense, I think, will get straightened out. Um, I put out there on Twitter kind of facetiously, but not really. It, it was one of those like like flirty things of like, I'm just kidding. Unless like, are you serious? Like if me, if you're serious, I could be serious. That I I would like a veteran defenseman on a one-year contract to come in, preferably like a big body. And Braden Coburn is with the Ottawa Senators right now. One year, $1.5 million. On the bottom pair, to have a big body who's been there before can maybe act as a calming presence to help this defense along if we need it. I think Chuck Fletcher won't hesitate to make that move. He's been, he's been pretty good at pulling the, those triggers of adding just the right you know, secondary player, you know, the the sort of ancillary assisting player to the team. And somebody like a Braden Coburn wouldn't be a bad fit to go, hey, guys, play play the system. The system is good. Now, I hope that in the next few weeks, someone like Provorov, someone like Sanheim, Sanheim, you're you're a veteran now. Sorry, Mm -hmm. you are. Someone like Provorov, someone like Sanheim. Myers is still young, but he's got to get with the program. Haig is Haig. You know, he's fine. I heard an interview with uh, Tarion this week where he was really talking about how much the Flyers are missing Niskanen. Yeah. And they desperately do exactly what you're saying, a defenseman to just calm it down. And there was never really a time tonight where everything was calm. Nope. Uh, it was like always chasing after the play and, uh, you know, it never settled, you know, they never got settled. And I think like the, like to me, the, the switch went off when there was that, that one shift where it was like four defensive zone turnovers, like back to back to back to back. And I was like, Oh, it's just, this is that night. This is that. Yeah. Night. Yeah. yeah. It felt like that night pretty damn early. I was hoping that the second period would start strong and, and let some of the offensive firepower that we really do have and that we saw a ton of in the first two games would be able to take it over. Um, Provy's my guy. Provy's my guy, but he didn't look good tonight. He, you know, we talked um, offline a lot about the ice looking bad. The ice did look bad. A lot of pucks got trapped up in it, but still, the ice is bad for both teams. And a lot of my excuses about our defense being young, they're not so young anymore. You know, I'm going to say, like, Myers is on the young side. Nobody else has that excuse anymore. So it's time to quote AV and put on your big boy pants. And if if Provy and Sanheim, and to a lesser extent, Hag, Hag's different just because he's not the talent guy. I mean, he, he plays a useful role. Aren't ready to lead? Then yeah, let's go find a Coburn. You know, um, on on the positive front, our four lines, even without Couturier, who will hopefully be back in the next two to four weeks, um, look good. Like not tonight. Again, Buffalo game aside, but it it looks really hard to play against. And once again, Kevin Hayes has been the most prepared flyer, the one who's been ready to go. You know, from the beginning of last season to the return after the pause to the beginning of this season, the level of play he brings as a play driver is huge. Now he's not been on the, the score sheet as much as, um, as much as Farabee, mm-hmm. uh, Day's boy, <laughs> as much as Farabee, as much as Konechny, but just seeing the, the kind of play that Hayes brings, I love the way he's been ready to go. No slow starts from Hayes, 
but all four lines, I'm I'm really uh, smitten. I, I think they, we have something special on offense. Are we ready to bring up Cam York yet? Is the, is the... <laughs> he's still playing in college, and the answer is no. <laughs> also, um, there's an excuse as any. I, <laughs> I mean, you can blow off a few classes. I blew off a few classes, and I turned out just fine. Yeah, you'll get used uh, to that annoying question if you watch us every week. Yes. <laughs> well, the other one uh, was uh, Igor Azamoa, and he's going to be with. Yeah. Oh, and he was really good with Russia um, in World Juniors. He's shown a lot of presence. The the one scrimmage that was televised, and thank God for that, because it's the only sort of, you know, viewing of the players preseason I got to see. You could see that Zamula was too small. You could see that he was not NHL ready, that he was just getting bodied off the puck a little too much. And thankfully, the AHL should be coming back February 5th so we can, you know, see someone like him ramp up. Uh, All right. Any other thoughts on the Flyers before we move on? Oh, I'm sure I have tons. Um, (laughs) We, because of the Eagles and because of Doug's firing, we didn't really do a season preview um, I put it out there on Twitter. I'll just put it out here. I had picked the Flyers to win the division. Um, I know, surprise, surprise. <laughs> I, I didn't pick them to win the division last year. I did two years ago. I look like an idiot then. Um, but uh, Capitals finishing just behind them, then the Bruins, then the Islanders. I will say the thing about our division is that it's the toughest division of all four. Um It's going to be – there is no easy out besides, I'd say, the Devils. Even this Buffalo team, who I expect to be just above the Devils, has really improved. Um, There's a lot of talent there. So it's going to be – all beat each other up, or is it an iron sharpens iron situation? Oh, very philosophical. I think we all beat each other up. (laughs) (laughs) NFC East philosophy back when – we were kids and they were, yeah. yeah. Well, but unfortunately I, we don't have anybody but the play, but our division, right? There's no, there is no outside of the division play this year. Correct. Which, and in the series format, I'm really excited. It's, it is, we control our own destiny. And thank you on that gene. It's the, the one last point I want to talk about before we move away from hockey. Uh, if we have to, um, <laughs> it is, I heard a lot of talk of like, oh, it's all division games. If you fall behind, you are so screwed. It's all division games. If you fall behind, you can catch up. Yeah. You know, it's the the you know, it cuts both ways. Now you don't want to, and you have to be a good team in order to catch up, but every game's a at least a four-point game. Yeah. So if the Flyers were to go on a little bit of a bad stretch, you know, that hot stretch that they were on last season where you know up to the pause something like that again puts them in first place comfortably as opposed to knocking on the doorstep of washington and i think there's a lot of teams the flyers really do match up well against in our division so i'm really optimistic there i love the the series um the series format and you know, we get to face Buffalo again tomorrow, and we get to find out whether Buffalo is a team we match up poorly against, like the Islanders. You know, the Islanders are not the most talented team in the division. The Islanders are the team I least want to face in the playoffs because they, they match up really well against the Flyers. Well, this may also be a testament about the the coaches in the league, too, because it's going to be like an adjustment season. You can't yeah, just go, oh, this is my system, so I just let it rip every night. Um, you are going to have to adjust because everyone's going to be kind of adjusting off each other. It's like a humongously long playoff series that's yep. going to last 50, 50 games against, you know, seven other teams. So Jesus Christ, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. And the, the last thought before I relinquish the microphone <laughs> is... No, you're going to still talk about these other teams. Well, yeah, I am, but I'm <laughs> not going to monopolize it. Um, what I'm going to say is winning the game in regulation when you have a lead going in the third is huge. There is no more, uh, the Flyers are up 3-2, you know, like they were, was it 
3-2 against the Penguins going into the third? Or was it 3-3? I forget. But whatever. If you're up 3-2 going into the third, you have to win in regulation. Winning 4-3 in overtime, you just you generated a point. And you gave a division rival a point. If you are down 3-2 going into the third, I don't care if you win. You have to force overtime. Like, overtime is going to be the, the difference maker. If you can ho- prevent that loser point from being generated and you can generate it yourself, whether you win or lose those games or you manage to take it to overtime, it, you're you're going to you're going to win the division. And you're going to win the division. Watching around the league too cuz I was flipping over, you know, before the Flyers game and I was watching the Bruins uh Bruins Islanders game. And we did not want that game to go into overtime. Yeah. Or just have a team win. Right. Exactly. I think it's going to make for a much more interesting watching other games this year. Um, Maybe I'm going to care a lot less about uh, an avalanche uh, sharks game or whatever, but I'm going to care a whole hell of a lot about, um, uh, a Boston Rangers game. You well, know what you're I mean? yourself because that Avs Sharks matchup is a pretty fun one. <laughs> it's just on late. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, let's move on to the Eagles and their and their coaching search because a lot of stuff uh, came out this week that was um, a little eyebrow raising, uh, you might say. Uh, so the first thing I want to start off with was uh, Troy Aikman's comments about why Doug Peterson was fired. Did you guys, have you guys heard this comment or anything? I haven't. So Troy Aikman says, I reached out to Doug Peterson yesterday when I heard the news, and I'm surprised at what I gathered. I don't know. I don't have any insight. But what I gathered, what it came down to was a difference of opinion as to how they were moving forward at the quarterback position is what I sensed. I sense that Jeff Lurie, the owner, has paid a lot of money to Carson Wentz, and they're on the hook with him. They can't get out of that contract right away, and yet it's my belief that Doug Peterson felt that Jalen Hurts was probably the quarterback going forward, and how does that mesh? And so I just, without having any understanding of what took place in that meeting, I think they said there's a difference of opinion as to how they're going to go forward and correct this past season. And I believe it all came down to how they were going to handle Carson Wentz. And that is why Doug Peterson is now looking for a job. Do you think it was that simple? That seems like an awful simple way to just fire a coach. You know what I mean? I don't know. It, 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 it struck me as surprising, though, because I never thought that as an outside observer or as a, as a fan watching the Eagles, I never felt that or I got a sense that Doug was Jalen is the guy and Carson's the problem. I never got that sense. I never got that sense in uh, postgame press conferences. I never got that sense, uh, you know, when Doug spoke to the media, when they talked about, you know, even when Jalen Hurts had a good game, like Doug very much downplayed it now again is that is that he's being tempered by the you know the Jeffrey Laurie Howie Roseman specters above him saying like hey you have to you have to position everything where it's Carson 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 but I just never got that sense so I was surprised to to hear that Troy Aikman got that out of his conversation with and, and I mean was Doug simply coming in and saying it's going to be an open competition was that enough for Jeffrey Laurie to say like oh no it's it's not an open competition Carson's going to start. This is the thing that shocks me is because Doug Peterson didn't make the draft pick. He didn't bring the other quarterback in. So if they're now going to fire him because they brought in another quarterback, really, who's the asshole? That's right. that's my question. Yeah, we need we need a uh, we need a uh, a Howie Roseman. Am I the asshole? Reddit post. <laughs> and we we need the right abbreviations uh like male general manager in his 40s head head coach in his 50s yeah we should write that that would be good that, we should write that but it i i had heard the comments i just didn't associate them with uh troy aikman you know it just didn't stick in my brain that way and for me it wasn't that surprising. I'm, I don't believe that Peterson says, well, hey, the job is hurts no matter what. But maybe like Gene says, he wants more of an open competition. I kind of feel like Doug 
said, hey, it's your job to lose uh, to Wentz this season and gave him ample opportunity to lose it before giving Hurts an opportunity. And I don't think Doug is up to do that again. Well, obviously not now. He's fired. But I don't think he was going to do that um, again. And I think Lori kind of wants it to go. You know, Lori's not dumb. Lori wants to win. But I think he wants to go. Let's reset the clock. It's Wentz's ball again. And I want him to have the exact same leash as he had before, which under Doug, I don't think was was going to happen. I also think it has as much to do with, and, and maybe it just doesn't make for good conversation between Doug and Troy Aikman. I have no idea how much they chat and if they have a group <laughs> chat that they'd be willing to let me join. Um, I wonder who else would be in that. Maybe Ron Jaworski. Um, but but what I, I think it has as much to do with the fact that Doug may have come into the meeting being like, I don't have any plans to change how we I run this offense. Like, I'm probably going to have a couple of different coaches, but they're going to be my guys, and I'm going to call plays, and I'm going to well, pick the quarterback. That's what we heard. That's what we heard all along was that Doug was tired of being told what to do or whatever, and he felt like he earned the right to make his own decisions regarding the coaching staff. Um, so, again, uh, we've talked about this on the pod before. Like, somebody really needs – to do like a 30 for 30 about this or uh, some sort of like expose on what really happened uh, behind the scenes, starting from the beginning of the 2017 season, like all the way through. I mean, I guess this drama really still isn't over yet, Um, but we're going to find Maybe what you were referring to is the, uh, the comments from, or uh, I don't know, Mike Garofolo came out with something that says, um, Sources have told me what the team is telling head coach candidates in interviews is, one, the coach will obviously have a big say in how they handle the quarterback situation, but two, they do believe in this guy, they want him back, so if you're a head coach and you're going into those meetings saying, I want Wentz out and Hurts in, I think that's probably going to hurt your standing in the interview process. So what they're saying there is that we're definitely favoring uh, coaching candidates that are going to go with Wentz or prefer Wentz. Or if you want the job, you better at least say you prefer Wentz. Yeah. It's it's fascinating to me that, A, the, all the, the, the first part of this whole story about about Doug's firing being because he didn't went Wentz, that comes from a freaking cowboy. So, um, and his thought, right? <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and all cowboys' thoughts get filtered around how can you screw the Eagles. Um, so I only take that as a grain of salt. At least that's my head yeah. cannon. Comes through for you, man. Like that cowboy hate is always just—I, it's, 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 it's in my genetic code. You know what I mean? Bad gallbladder, <laughs> cowboy hate. Those are the things that are that are going to be in my genetic code. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, I, I don't put a lot of stock in, in the idea that it was that simple of a conversation, especially considering there was there were two meetings, and I really do believe it was a lot more to do with Jeffrey Laurie wants some sort of new offensive philosophy and Doug Peterson is like I like how I call a game I don't really have any intention of changing that just makes more sense to me as to why you would fire the head coach yeah comment here from Mark saying that Josh McDaniels will be the next coach unless he backs out um certainly is on the list and they did they did get permission and they did interview him this week and to to be honest that's that of the of the candidates that we've interviewed uh, Josh McDaniels is my front runner for sure, and who I would actually prefer. I think there's really something about these failed head coaches going back to either being uh, coordinators or you know assistant coaches, whatever, and then coming back um, for a second run at the head coach gig. I think they learn a lot from there. I mean, you look at uh, even Bill Belichick, uh, Pete Carroll. You know, a lot of these coaches you know, have not had a lot of success early on and then came back for another tour of duty and, you know, done great things. And I feel like there's Josh McDaniels is a bright guy. He's got to be right. So I think uh, the interesting thing is that a lot of people are giving Josh McDaniels a lot of flack because of how he handled the situation with Indianapolis. Um, And I mean, I honestly don't know how that all shook out. I know he was offered the job, looked like he was going to take the job and then didn't. So I don't know if that was a failure somewhere in the in the 
communication between him and that front office or what it was. But, uh, you know, guys don't turn down head coaching jobs unless there's some sort of fundamental breakdown somewhere along the line. And I don't know that we're ever going to get the truth as to what what caused that. Um, I, I think a lot of people might be real high on Todd Bowles right now. I just don't see Jeffrey Lurie bringing in a defensive-minded coach. I just don't think that that's his his mo he's never done it in the past yeah he's interviewed a few i think he's doing his due diligence but i just feel like we know that jeffrey laurie is once like that offensive minded head coach that's just been his his style and he likes to go with with something what he feels is something different he he went with andy reed who was basically a complete unknown at the time not even a coordinator um he went with Chip Kelly, who was doing something completely off the wall. Uh, he brought in Doug Peterson, um, sort of on high recommendation from Andy Reid to be like a stabilizing force uh, in the in the franchise and sort of go back to the way they were doing business. And got, he had some success there. So, you know, that just is sort of what, what Jeffrey Lurie does. I think our bigger problem is this is going to be really the hire um, that is going to determine whether or not Jeffrey Lurie is too much of a meddling owner. You know what I mean? Is this, this is where he can make that heel turn um, towards villain, you know, towards Dan Snyder, towards uh, Jerry Jones. You know, if he can keep his nose enough out of things and, uh, and, and Harry Roseman can hit home run on this draft because he really, really needs to hit on that six pick. Um, yeah, and you, you just got fact checked because Ray Rhodes was a Jeffrey lawyer, uh, Jeffrey Lurie hire, um, his first hire. And was know, he a defensive, defensive coordinator? Guy. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think that experience may have terrified Jeffrey Lurie about hiring <laughs> defense where I don't know if like people were going to come into Jeffrey Lurie's house, steal his children, <laughs> smash all of his vases and, uh, and and run out but i know that uh <laughs> i think that i think that experience may have just said like okay i'm just sick with these offensive guys They're yeah i don't want out. these defensive guys they're too too moody <laughs> or whatever <laughs> yeah. i mean imagine matt patricia would be like uh captaining a pirate ship or something and uh i don't know what, what else do you think it comes along with a, a hire like josh mcdaniels do you think that um you know, do, do you think you suddenly see a shift towards bringing in more folks off of the Bill Belichick tree away from the Andy Reid tree? Um, do you want to be the NFC East version of the Patriots? And I don't mean, I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously with the winning thing, but, um, you know, I mean, is that sort of the, the style of play that you want? I, I mean, and, and I guess we're going to find out. Um, we're going to find out really whether it was uh, the all Brady or it was uh, more Belichick and McDan McDaniel's and, and and I mean Brady's going to another NFC Championship game and Belichick missed the playoffs so I don't know jury's still out I guess right 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 yeah great comment there McDaniel's learned how to turn down a head coach job from his boss Belichick and the Jets yeah that's great um, but yeah if you look at this list of candidates that they've interviewed Todd Bowles Joe Brady Deuce Staley. Jared Mayo and Josh McDaniels. I really don't. I really don't see how they go. It, you know, if McDaniels turns it down, it would be the only reason I, I think they would go with someone else. Just, and he may because, you know, you're in this dysfunctional Roseman Laurie marriage, um, and, and you know you may not be able to do what you want to do there. And, they may not want you to be able to do what you want to do there. Do you think so. it's interesting that some current and former players have come out sort of on social media in favor of Deuce Daly? Um, I specifically heard, um, I'm trying to remember which player, but one of them specifically said, you know, I'd be happy to to uh, to play for Coach Deuce and that he would have the respect of the room. Do you think there's anything to that? Or do you think that's just guys sort of puffing up their sort of their – the the guy that's been here for a long time and has put in his put in his work and they want to see something good come out of Deuce but I don't know if I, I don't know if he's ready ready might not even be the right word I don't know if he's a good fit necessarily as the head coach of the Eagles well well let's talk about Deuce because I think a lot of people made the same joke of it's like Deuce Rooney rule Staley and if you're only going to bring him in to interview him to to meet a requirement then it's a disservice to both him, the Rooney role, and your team. The whole idea is not 
like tokenism, not like, okay, we interviewed a non-white head coach. I think that's a strange thing to even do in this year because you've already brought in Todd Bowles. One of the other top candidates is, is, uh, Bellamy or, uh, in Kansas city. Um, you know, these are guys that are, you know, the, the pool is, seems very diverse this year. It seems like a lot of different, both philosophies and, 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 and ethnicities are in, are in, in the pool this year. Yeah, but it's, I don't know, Deuce was one of the first candidates, if not the first candidate interviewed, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. But it just seems to be, maybe if it's not to satisfy the Rooney role, maybe it's just, uh, he's a nice guy, but no one has faith in him. I, well, he, I mean, are you going to say, no, you can't interview for this job at this point? I mean, yeah. we've come too far with the relationship and the tenure and everything. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's he's worked his way up from running back coach to to assistant head coach or whatever his title is. It's well, like there's people in my organization yeah. that I would love to work for. Believe me, doesn't necessarily mean that they would be the best person for that job. And you know, when you start okay. asking players who do you want to be your coach, I think you're already setting yourself up for some sort of failure because <laughs> those are not the questions you should be asking. Um, oh, it was Malcolm Jenkins. That's who had, had come out sort of in favor of him. I knew it was a guy that was still in the league, but not on the team. It was Malcolm Jenkins. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I, look, I think they like Deuce. I think Deuce is good. Yeah, I, I just keep coming back to who else is asking to interview Deuce? Like, where, where else, who, you know, what other vacancies around the league were like, hey, can we uh, can we have permission to, to speak with Deuce Daly because we love what he's doing in Philadelphia with the running back rotation? Like, I I just don't – it's not happening, so I don't – it's a good indicator yeah. as to whether you have a future head coach on your coaching staff or not. Yeah, same thing with Andy Reid and the quarterback's coach, though. I mean, he ultimately got a job from it, but how much do you, can you tell from a position coach? And Andy Reid was quarterback coach for Brett Favre. You know, Brett Favre did pretty well without Andy Reid, you know? Right. So, I mean, how that – like – if you're a quarterback, if you're a, a running backs coach and you don't have any good running backs, oh, you have hey, a couple hey, of mediocre ones. Can, can we talk about Andy Reid for a second? Sure. sure. Are we, um, do we still have to root for Andy Reid? No, no, not you even a little. Mean, like, I don't want Andy Reid to win the Super Bowl now. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm good. Do that. Yeah. No, he I'm got rooting. his one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm rooting for the Bills. Oh, yeah. Me too. The only thing that would be better is if there was a way that the Bills could somehow like beat the other three teams in the NFC East by winning the Super Bowl. Like, yeah, I like really they all wanted a Bills Browns AFC Championship. Yeah, game. I, I did too. Really great. That would have been a lot of fun. But the Browns, yeah, I, I, a fight. I just want actually now I kind of want Andy Reid to win another Super Bowl just to hear what Angelo says in the morning. <laughs> like absolutely explodes. <laughs> <laughs> Good for Andy. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Oh, and one last thing. I heard Howard Eskin um, report that the game day rosters were actually finalized by Howie Roseman. Really? And given to Doug Peterson. And he was kind of like locked in. I don't know how true that is. It was like Howard just like dropped that on the radio at 10 a.m. on Saturday. Uh but I did hear him say that, and I don't know what kind of evidence he has or if that's true or not. But if that's true, that's bananas. <laughs> yeah, that would – I've never heard of anything quite – like even in baseball, you don't hear about GMs walking lineup cards but, down. down to, but it could, it could explain some of those head-scratching things like, you know, why Mylotta is benched for whenever Peterson wants to hop in there – or, uh, you know, Alshon Jeffrey is playing over some of these younger guys. It could explain some of that, like, oh, I'm paying all this money for these guys are going to play. You know, I, I don't know. Um, if, if I were Doug and someone did that to me, I'd show them my Super Bowl ring, tell them to <laughs> shove it up their ass and walk away. I mean, like, <laughs> but Eskin could then show him his. Eskin's got a Super Bowl <laughs> ring, doesn't he? Somewhere in those we fur coats. I mean, they they might have, they might have, but it's, I don't know. I, 
and honestly, and, honestly, this year would not be the year I would want it out that I was the one making those decisions and not Doug Peterson if I was Howie Roseman. I would be like, no, I was that guy. He was the one making those decisions. It had nothing to do with me. Don't blame me. Uh, oh, and speaking of Jason Peters, one more year, run it back with Jason Peters. Oh, Jesus Christ, no. I don't think he's running anywhere. <laughs> no, I, I, <laughs> I, I, think, I think the Jason Peters saga needs to, needs to come to a halt. I think that uh, if um, what you call it, if uh, if 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 Jeffrey Lurie, you know, his close personal friend, um, wants him around, he can find him a job in the front office. Like I'm sure that he could become like Jeffrey Lurie's personal bodyguard. He can protect Jeffrey Lurie's blind side. But yeah. um, I don't want him anywhere near my offensive line at this point. Retire a hero or play long enough to become a villain, man. It's and he's he is, he is he is yeah he's definitely pushing that line um hey you want to talk about the phillies they did some stuff this week i do i do want to talk about the phillies you want to start with jt uh i i it sort of is all going to wrap into sort of the same thing i i I sort of wanted to open you you hear to hear first breaking news wait what (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it wouldn't you have an offer on the table right yeah Uh, and it's it's in the 100 million dollar offer on the table it feels to me like they want him to turn it down and they can say, we made JT Romito a five-year, $100 million offer. What do you want from us? Now, the problem is, though, who else is making him an offer anywhere near that right now? I mean, of course he'll take it if he can get it. Uh, I don't know if he'll be happy with it, though. Yeah, but I mean, at that point, if you take a long-term deal like that, uh, you're going to sign for five years to be miserable? I don't know that that makes any sense. Um, you don't sign a $100 million deal and then demand a trade. That just doesn't... Well, well, look, if they don't fix the bullpen, you'll be rolling your eyes for five years. Well, the, I, I, <laughs> I, I, I love every eye roll. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do think that they've at least made strides towards correcting the bullpen, at least sure. to a certain degree this year. Um, but I feel like a lot of the other suitors for JT Real Muto have already sort of spent their money. Um, you know, I think maybe Toronto is still lurking. Uh, maybe the Angels are still lurking, but... You know, the two New York teams feel like they've they've sort of moved on to other targets. And, and certainly the Mets feel like they've spent an awful lot of money and made, moved, moved, made a lot of moves to sort of um, put themselves in a position where they look like they may be, if not the team to beat in the division, certainly going to be creeping up on the Braves this year. Um, you got to see how things sort of shake out once you actually get people in the building. Um, but, yeah, no, I think that, you know, from everything I'm reading, a lot of people are starting to say, well, JT is – you know, the Phillies are the front runner now. Um, yeah, Ken, I, I was looking that up while uh, we were speaking. It was Ken Rosenthal who said it, I think, on MLB Network that it looks likely that not just the uh, not just the Phillies being the leader in the clubhouse, but it looks likely that Real Muto comes back. Now, see if you can so, find the, the Twitter account for that guy that during the whole Bryce Harper uh, saga was putting it out like, you know, every day. Oh, the Giants. It's going to be the Dodgers. It's going to be the Phillies. He's going back to the Nationals. Um, right. You know. Yeah, I mean, I, I could do the bitmoji. I mean, I just did it there. Oh, right. That, yeah. that guy. Um, and I'm yeah. blanking on his name, and I'm better off. Heyman, John Heyman. It. I think it's John Heyman. John Heyman. There we go. I knew it would come to me. Yeah, but he was he was like the mouthpiece for an agent. You know, he yeah. was, and and you have certain insiders that way that you know they're leaking information to be a, a reliable source or whatever to be to be an insider, but it's coming directly from the agent you know, to negotiate in public. I don't think Ken Rosenthal is one of those people. As far as I know, I think he certainly doesn't dress like it. No, he doesn't. (laughs) He dresses like the fussiest door to door salesman you've ever seen. It probably is either the Phillies or the Blue Jays at this point, because I think that the Blue Jays are the only other team that's currently in communication with the Romuto camp. So, I mean, I think that would be great. Um, I think I hear that Didi Gregorius coming back is the needle is swinging to more and more likely for that. Oh, good. I didn't hear that. I'm happy about that. Um, and I'm, but I mean, outside of Didi Gregorius, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm on an Island here, but I would love to bring back Freddie Galvis. I like Freddie Galvis's defense and he's become a relatively consistent hitter. He's not going to have the same pop 
that you have with Didi Gregorius. But I prefer um, Didi. Don't get me wrong. But I think that if you if you if you're going to get JT back and uh, you can use that that money that you would save on Didi to supp- uh, supplement another either another outfielder or more help in the bullpen. Uh, I'm still also concerned with the fact that um, you don't have a, a a fourth and fifth starter really uh, in mind for this this team. Um, I, I do think that obviously the bullpen was the bigger problem. There were a lot of games that we we had leads in the eighth inning that were uh, evaporated. But um, I don't know. Uh, I, I think that uh, it would be nice to sort of keep the offense together, honestly. I'm I'm more in the camp of if it's Didi or Freddie and we can get Freddie and supplement the bullpen, bring Galvis back. You know, it'd be nice. This is I was going to say the world's most optimistic and perhaps self-deluded thing. It'd be nice to bring Galvis back from, you know, back when the Phillies really, you know, struggled onto a good team ignoring their records the past two seasons but um i i would like to see galvis return to the fold if what we save on money for him can be used to to supplement um the pitching staff i think galvis has turned into a nice a nice little player you know galvis hit 23 home runs in 2019 and that was with half the season in san diego so just saying he's got he's got pop i mean he's got more pop i think that people give him credit for the only reason why i know so much about freddie galvis is he is for some reason my son's favorite baseball player in the major leagues <laughs> i mean you could pick mike trout you could pick bryce harper you could pick aaron judge but is it the hair what's up is it the hair <laughs> i think it's just the first guy ever like he was the best player on the Phillies during that year or something. (laughs) Well, my son's favorite, I've brought this up on the show many times is Brian Elliott. And just because we met Brian Elliott at the, um, grow that Carter Hart hate in your house. It's just, no, he, he, the other day said Carter Hart is my favorite player. And then, uh, was reminded of Brian Elliott. He goes, Oh yeah. Well, I like Brian Elliott too, but I worked hard I worked really hard. He's like, Brian Elliott's my favorite player. I'm like, you you need to get over that. <laughs> like, I love Brian Elliott. Brian Elliott was really awesome to you at the carnival. But um, you, you're you in for heartbreak when, uh, no pun intended, when he, <laughs> and I, I know I shared this on the show, but I just love this moment where he was mad and the stadium series season uh, was at 18, 19, where it's like, <laughs> Carter Hart's hogging the net. He needs to share. <laughs> I'm like, uh, that's that's so sweet, buddy. But um, yeah, I I want him to play every game. <laughs> hey, you got a lot to learn about this cold, hard world we live in. <laughs> um, Philly's also signed Archie Bradley. Um, sure up the bullpen. Great move. Already uh, listed I'm, as the new closer. For All Star break. What's that? He's already listed as our closer. Yeah. I don't know yeah, if that's going to stick, but... Oh, you mean David Robinson's not going to be the closer? I have no idea, but I hope not. <laughs> uh, and, you know, endearing himself to Phillies fans already, tweets out, sign JT as his first official tweet as a Philadelphia Philly. I love it. Love it. He also asked for recommendations of shows to follow, and I I, I appreciate that we were able to get a, <laughs> our uh, our gif in to, uh, to, to volunteer <laughs> his tribute, so... Archie, nice. if you're listening, uh, welcome to the show. <laughs> we'll have you on anytime. Um, before we get to our penalty boxes this week, uh, real quick, just let's just talk about the Sixers just real quick. I know Peyton Lodge pretty much has Sixers covered pretty excellently. Um, but uh, this, this report from Pompeii kind of struck me that the Sixers thought they were so close to the deal – with James Harden, I read that Simmons and Thibel's agents basically told them to be ready for the trade. Yeah. What kind of, I don't know, psychological impact does that have on someone when that trade doesn't go through? And now you're kind of like, well, I guess we're stuck. It's like, love the one you're with, right? If you can't be <laughs> the one you love. Love Doc. <laughs> no, I I read that same thing, and I I think that that's uh, it's it's scary in sort of two different ways. Um, 
that we were that close and didn't end up with James Harden, who, by the way, looks incredible. I don't know what weight loss plan he's gotten himself onto, but just from traveling to Houston to to the Nets, that guy got like ripped to help him get traded. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he's like an extra from the clumps out there. <laughs> Maybe it was Eddie Murphy in in Harden makeup. In makeup. Yeah, I'll buy. I that. would see the shit out of that movie. So if Eddie Murphy, or if you're listening, that is that is like he, after coming to America too. It's you know getting my ass traded with Eddie Murphy. I, I, I think it's get my ass to Brooklyn is the name of the. There name we of the go. Movie. Workshopping this, I love it. Yeah. So, I mean, would it, you guys think that Ben is just fine? Well, my just, agent told me that I was going to be traded before I got on the show tonight. And I managed to. I tried like hell. <laughs> I tried, tried to suck it up. <laughs> I will say that it does have a psychological yeah, we effect. We always had Ira Glass on the show. <laughs> uh, but, hey. He's staying in Chicago, <laughs> bastard. Wait, was it straight up? Gene for Ira Glass? Like, I'll give you Gene. <laughs> And future considerations. Cash. It's always going to involve cash. Yeah. Look, I trade all three of us for Ira Glass. I don't even know if he knows sports. This, this is. I have a lot of potential. A very high ceiling. Um, Ira Glass. He's got. He's got good genetics. He's got a good family. Uh, you know, thing with Phil in the in the. You know, I don't know if you've you've heard of Uncle Phil. Uh, but yeah, but I, I don't have it. I don't have that going on. But yeah, and, and I I definitely have the uh, face for radio. Uh, he's a little better looking than me. <laughs> well, on, on oh no, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, I I imagine it's going to take some time to sort of get over that, you know, especially for someone like Ben Thibel, You would imagine he'd be in any blockbuster trade. He's young. He is not the superstar in the team. He is the kind of player that gets traded, you know, in a you know as a supplementary piece. But if you're Ben, to know that the Sixers looked at you and said, "We want to win a championship, and we're willing to sacrifice you to do it," you know, if you feel like this is your team, and you get a pretty definitive message that it's it's Embiid's team. It, it it's got to be unnerving at least a little bit and i hope i mean he he seems like a kid with a good head on his shoulders um so i really do hope that it doesn't become a long-term issue but i imagine in the short term it's it's got to be hard to 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 stay focused to stay you know 100 percent eyes on the prize and and not be distracted about hey this was my city I, it was me and iverson advertising the boathouse row jerseys and now i might never get to wear them you know it's my team it's my city it's my jersey it's my penalty box it is my penalty box and i'll cry when i put someone in it if i want to don't know why i went there um but i do know why i'm going with gene gene who is in your penalty box this evening so uh, this one is not necessarily sports related, but it does affect me when I watch sports. Um, I am putting in gambling websites and uh, general gambling advertising into the penalty box. It is not that I am against gambling, but one of the things that irritates me in life is when I have – it's the same idea of if I have to hear the same song on the radio too many times. Um, I just get sick of repetition um, maybe it's my ADD. I, I don't know. But if I keep seeing the same thing over and over again, I get really irritated. And if you've watched anything with, as far as the Flyers or Sixers recently, every break on Comcast Sportsnet, you are treated to some gambling, uh, some way to gamble on the game that you are currently watching. It's so much so that you even get updated odds as the game is going on. Now, I get it. This is the way the world we live in, where you're sitting on your couch and you can, as they say, get some skin in the game. But for God's sake, I just want to just <laughs> I just want to watch the game and, and not be be tempted 
by my vices. Can I, I, I'm already enjoying some food I'm probably not supposed to be eating. Can you not tempt me to, to blow money that I don't have? Uh, so in that case, I, I would really love if we could just get one, one night, one game, one half of a game where I wasn't, uh, shilled, um, <laughs> where I wasn't shilled to, uh, by, uh, by gambling websites. Can we get a list of your vices just to make sure we don't uh, touch on too many of them during the show? Um, gambling, loose women, um, any white powders, and uh, clear liquors. Those are my main vices. Well, those are the big ones. Gene's <laughs> well, apparently snorting anthrax in between shows. Um, so gambling websites that... Um, tempt gene into committing one of his seven deadly sins you're going to the penalty box 1-800 penalty box call if you have a gambling problem two minutes for seducing the innocent all right dave who is in your penalty box this evening i am putting gwyneth paltrow in box Yes, um, and I'm not sure what the infraction is yet. It could be one of two possible infractions, or it could be two penalties. I'll let you decide. Um, so evidently, Gwyneth Paltrow has a candle that smells like her vagina. Mm-hmm. It's called the This Smells Like My Vagina Candle. Um, and evidently, a UK woman won the candle um, as a prize on a, a quiz show. Um, and Please tell candle, me it was countdown. <laughs> it's got to exploded in her apartment. Uh, it, she says, it emitted huge flames with bits flying everywhere. I've never seen anything like it. The whole thing was ablaze, and it was too hot to touch. Well, so either the candle is remarkably like Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina, yeah, or very lifelike. Products. <laughs> I don't know. If that Gwyneth Paltrow's going into my penalty box. All right, so, like, we need to talk to Chris Martin, and then we need to find out, is this extremist-related from Iron Man 3? <laughs> um, because there was a lot of fire produced there, and I think that might be an issue. And sure. there was a lot of criticism, mostly by gynecologists, over the jade egg that goes in the vagina... But perhaps if you're part dragon, you definitely need that jade egg. So Gwyneth Paltrow, your candles, your vagina, your jade egg, and your goop. Um, I'm sending all of you to penalty box. This is getting out of hand. Two minutes for you. Two minutes for you. Two minutes for you. You're all going to the penalty box. Game. Uh, unsportsmanlike conduct. Chuck, who's in your penalty box tonight? Oh, I had it between two people. Um, one was Sam Carcitti, a favorite one uh, for just a really poorly written article, but it was more more of a, a pedantic kind of thing. But I'm giving one to someone who I don't think has ever been in our penalty box before, and it's our last opportunity to put him in the penalty box as president. Uh, Donald J. Trump is in my penalty box this evening. And before you think we're getting all political, which we have in the past, but before you think we're doing that tonight, it's a sartorial penalty. It's over the damn red hat. Over the Make America Great Again hat. The one that back when you used to go to malls, look like world's best grandpa (laughs) is the thing that was modeled on the get your hat embroidered here. The rope that goes along the brim? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, the rope, sure. It's like, I I love my pop-up. Like, whatever. Like, you would get this done. You would order it, go shopping for half an hour, get it back, and give someone a really shitty Father's Day present. And when he introduced this hat um, in his ultimately successful um, campaign for president, it was a joke. Everyone laughed. Look how cheap and ugly this thing was. And then his supporters bought it up. And now if you wear a red hat with white writing, everyone thinks you're wearing a freaking MAGA hat. So I have a new Flyers hat. I replaced both my Flyers hat and my Phillies hat. And I didn't buy... What's what? Because you had a red Flyers hat? 
No, 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 not no. It was unrelated. Okay, got it. They were just beat to hell, and it was time to replace them. And I looked at that damn red Philly's hat, and I'm like, it just it looks way too close. So I went and I got a classic maroon fat P. You know, until until the tensions in our nation die down. So Donald J. Trump, you are being impeached from the penalty box, <laughs> which means that you cannot come back to co-host Potadelphia. Um, do whatever that you want. was enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he couldn't even read off his cue cards. Pete Davidson talked about it all over Howard Stern, but they changed it to SNL for some reason. So President Trump, 45, you're going in for 45 minutes. We're impeaching you from the podcast. All right. That is all the time we have for this week. Uh, big thank you to the Painted Lions for hosting us tonight. Uh, we'll be back next week with more Flyers coverage, Sixers coverage. Maybe Phillies make some moves. Maybe the Eagles hire a coach, but we'll be here to talk about it. Um, if you haven't done so already, please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check us out on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just search Potadelphia. If you have any more time in your podcast listening week, be sure to check out the Whip Around for all the week's weird news. Um, and so until we speak again, have a great day at work, everybody. We are at work.